I see healing like more as a psychosomatic experience, you know, so I think these plants just remind us where the healing energy might have to go or where it has to happen. And I think uh, they work on such a multidimensional level, like their mind, body, spirit, like almost like the body is like the last tool that it's working on. It's working mm. on such a profound energetic level that we're just learning to adapt to that response. So even when people say like, I didn't feel anything when I took that, like, what the hell, you know? And it's like, no, you got to learn to engage on a subtle level to these energies. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 podcast. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Almost 30 podcast. I'm pumped that you are here. I'm pumped. Hope you're having a (laughs) great day. Silly day. Truly. (laughs) Uh, We are in the studio here in uh, West Los Angeles and uh, some of the team is here Feels good. Started the year off feeling really good with yeah. the team, which is such a good feeling and uh, kind of catching up personally. I feel like <laughs> I'm like, I don't have, uh, I don't have tampons at all. You know what I mean? Like just like moments where I'm like, oh, am I doing normal life things? <laughs> I've been messing up my travel. So I keep having to go oh, back God. and it's like, it's like, um, you know, at the end of the year, there's so much. And then once January hits, it was like empty. Yeah. And now, and now everything's filling in. Yeah. Like friends visiting events, like all of our stuff. And I'm sure this is happening with you guys too, but it's like, now I'm seeing my blank slate is now starting to be filled and it's kind of scaring me. I know, same. Like I was just- Like, I, can everyone hold on? Honestly, <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh damn, I don't know if I want it to be full just yet. I want to kind of keep- the empty going. Maybe that's a good challenge for all of us where yeah. it's like knowing that say August, we just don't plan anything yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, wanna, we didn't do, well, we did, uh, we did end up doing stuff, but I want to continue that tradition where in August we're not. Mm-hmm. Or we can just kind of get back to yeah basics. Yeah. I love that. I hope y'all are great out there. Almost 30 is alive and thriving all over the world. If you don't know, we have a global community of men and women who are connecting in real life and connecting in our secret Facebook group and on Instagram. And most recently in our Your Podcast Pro program. Um, it's, it's just really cool to see. And like that is the point with all of this. So we just want to encourage you to connect with those in the community because I think you'll be surprised. You might be going through something very similar that you can relate on and support each other on, but we're just proud to, uh, you know, give you permission to do that. Yeah. 
What? Gave a lot of permission at our <laughs> webinar. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so we had um, a free live training for Podcast Pro, just sharing tips for people that are starting a podcast or have a podcast on how to grow. Yeah. So like things that we've done over the years and really things that we've learned being in the space. And we had uh, like a chat going on the side. There was like five, there was like a good amount of participants, 300 or something. And all the people, people in the chat were like, doing their thing. Everyone is being so supportive of one another. Like, what's your pod? Let me listen. Give me your Instagram name. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to subscribe. I just reviewed every single one of your podcasts. Oh my God. I just gave you so like five stars. Everyone was being so sweet. I swear to God. I was like, are you listening to us? Honestly, they were like, who's, who needs to go off mute? Please, please mute your phone. Who's talking? And it was like us leaving the webinar. Yeah. It was actually really cool to see. And, and people are nice, man. I swear. I know. I swear people, people are, are nice, nice more often than not. Yes. Well, that was when we were at um, the iHeart Awards losing. So Lindsay and I attended the iHeart Awards. It's a tradition to just, every year to lose. To just attend <laughs> and to lose. Um, so, so we lost again. And in our losingness, we, there was um, someone that came up. I don't know if it was the daily, the, the man behind, the, or no, it was Pod Save the People. Uh-huh. The podcast Pod Save the People won one of the podcast awards. And when he came up, he spoke about a few things and mm-hmm. he mentioned um, how uh, violence rates are at the all time low. And just these facts that, you know, I don't think that we're socialized to know as much because of the media and news cycle. Yeah. So it was really refreshing to hear about some of the things that I feel on a day-to-day basis. I feel like people are so kind and supportive and loving. And when I'm ever, I'm on social media. I'm only seeing positive, great things. I mean, I've curated my feed in that way and um, chosen to kind of live my life mostly in that vein. And it was just nice to hear affirmations about that from someone that is dedicated to like news. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Cause I think we forget, I think there are actually a lot of podcasts out there that kind of highlight the, like the grotesque in the news. And, and yes, of course those stories need to be brought to light. And a lot of those stories are like true crime where they are being solved in real time and podcasts help to get the word out there. And there are, I think are some like perpetuations happening of like negativity and violence. So I just loved, I loved that point, but anyway, we're serving up that positive vibe and juju. Yeah, honestly, you want those vibes. (laughs) And we're really excited uh, to announce that we are going to change our weekly format of the show because we intuitively felt this pull to change it. We also heard from the community. And so on Tuesdays, we are going to keep our regularly scheduled interview. We are going to have one interview a week. We just felt like these interviews were so deep and um, impactful and just something that like we are called to let land for a little while longer and settle in and maybe allow for more discussion and time. And on Thursdays, it's going to be just Krista and I, whether it's the two of us together or solo episodes, this will be the time where you catch up with us and just get a dose of your BFFs. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, cause I, when I listen to podcasts and even in ours, when we're having these deep conversations, there's so much thought to go behind actually applying a lot of the principles and inspiration and ideas that come from a lot of our guests. So I felt like in this day and age, there's so much content out there and I just really want all of it to be really impactful for you. So on Tuesday, when we have like an interview, like we have today, you know, about herbalism, about nature, about our connection to source and God and earth and Gaia and all those things, it's like that information is so beautiful and and we want it to kind of 
ruminate within the cells of your body and be able to apply it in your life. Um, and then, you know, Lindsay and I doing more solos is going to just be either really easy for you to listen to, like easy listening, fun, or it's going to be something that's really deep and personal to us. You know, we're going to bring a little bit more personal stories about what we're going through, about what we've been through and about where we're going on the Thursday episode. So it's just going to be a a nice balance of like really fun and really deep and spiritual like we always do, but in a more easy to digest format. And we're excited to incorporate you out there. So we are in the process of planning you know, in the spring to have members of Almost 30 Nation on the podcast. And we want to be really intentional about it and we're excited to chat and connect with you. So just look out for announcements in the secret Facebook group. If you're not in there, definitely join. Just search Almost 30 Podcast Secret Facebook group. We will announce in there and also on Instagram. So we just want you to be even more so a part of the show and what like helps it evolve and move it forward. We just can't thank you enough. And connecting with you is one of our favorite things to do. So that'll be a part of the show too. Yeah. That's going to be so much fun. One of the girls, a few of the girls actually have talked about that, you Mm -hmm. know, like doing like a round table. Yeah. Like like a round table and just like how almost 30 has changed them. And that's not like lip service to us, but it's just like how the community of people surrounding us have like helped them evolve and get through the transition time. That was really Mm -hmm. the goal, you know, at the beginning. And now it's more than that, but um, I'm excited to chat with the community. Always everyone, all of our guests are always like, dude, your girls are the best. I know. And I say, I know. I I say, mommy did a good job. (laughs) Can I retire now? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's been a blast. Um, So on today's episode, as Krista briefly mentioned, we have on Adriana Ayalis. She is the owner and herbalist behind Anima Mundi Herbals. Yeah, she's awesome. I really loved um, getting to talk to her. I feel like this was like a topic that I am around, but not really, I didn't really have much information about apothecary, about an apothecary, about um, botanicals, about herbalism, about a lot of the ancient indigenous wisdom or things that she really talks about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm reading from her website, but she's originally from Costa Rica and started Anima Mundi several years ago in Brooklyn as a means to bridging um, ancient remedies to the modern world, which I, I feel like is really happening across a lot of different modalities, whether it's taking in through food and herbs, spirituality. So I'm just really fascinated. I was excited to talk to her and you know, creating this experience around the art of medicine making with herbs, I think is important, especially as we come back to ourselves. Like that is our root. Like that is yeah. like where we're from. So it's a it's a really beautiful practice. And so we ask her all the things. We're asking her those questions that you probably have out there, you know, the questions that are kind of simple and then also going deeper into her experience also with plant medicine as well. Yeah. So her background is crazy. She um, studied shamanic style healing in Costa Rica, hands-on energy work. And then she's also studied in Central and South America um, herbalism and plant medicine in the Amazon, California. And then she's a clinical herbologist at a few different schools and continued a private practice in Berkeley and New York City. Um, She also studies astrology, cosmology, consciousness at the California Institute Institute of Integral Studies. And 
I think she is like the perfect person for this conversation. She's kind and she's totally in it. And we talk a lot about how to respect cultures and just people all over the world when we are consuming these herbs and we are exploring herbalism and bringing them into our life, how to be really respectful about it. We talk about Palo Santo. Is it okay to use? Is it cultural appropriation? Is it endangered? Um, is smudging okay? Is it okay to use the word smudging? And we really explore a lot of the things that you know I've felt like I've been exposed to, tools like 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 sage or like Palo Santo that sometimes I feel conscious to use because I'm not really sure if it's okay. And I'm not really sure if I'm one that can be using them. So um, we go through the gamut of how to apply herbs to your life, what are good for certain things. And then we also talk about very um, socially... Um, top of mind issues such as Palo Santo and smudging. Yeah. So we're really excited about this episode. If it resonates with you, please let's chat about it in the secret Facebook group, share it with your friends. We always love seeing your shares on Instagram. And if you're called to write a review, that means the world to us as well. And definitely check out animamundiherbals.com. Just a wealth of information as well as, you know, just incredible products like superfoods, tonics, elixirs, and all the things you can use our code almost. 30 if you're interested for a discount. But thank you for listening. We're excited about these new formats every week. Let us know. Keep us posted on how you're liking it. And if you have any topics that you'd like us to discuss on our Thursday episodes, we are ears are open, hearts are open, and we're just excited to connect with you more. Yep. Looking forward to it. And then don't forget about the Malibu retreat. So we're having a retreat again in Malibu in May. So you can go to almost30podcast.com slash retreat. There'll be sound baths, astrology, Reiki healing, hikes, beach, connection, conscious conversation, amazing plant-based food in a gorgeous five-star establishment. And then we also have your Podcast Pro. So registration for Podcast Pro is closed, but we now have the next phase of your Podcast Pro. So we want to support you in growing, monetizing, and building and launching the podcast of your dreams. So your podcastpro.com. All right, y'all love you. And we'll see you on the other side. Well, we're so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Likewise. So great. It's like we have our cabinet stocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel very taken care of. <laughs> I took the dream last night. How did it go? I love it. I had a great dream. I had a dream. My dreams have been very, very prophetic lately. And it was a mm. good one. I was, I we were underwater. Actually. Ooh. Justin had a crazy dream the other night. We were in our room and there was a huge white spider on the wall. And the oh. white spider was crawling Whoa. all over the wall. Was it a, okay, go on. Which is actually, white spiders are actually good fortune. Wow. Oh, and it was like, he's like, it was like ice white. It was like a snowflake white. It was wow. like, isn't that crazy? Cool. And I was like, is that you, like a bride or something? I know, honestly. <laughs> it was like she had a veil on. <laughs> and she was going to bite everyone. Um, I know those. <laughs> I had one last night where two dogs were, like big dogs were biting my hands and wouldn't let go. Oh no, last night. It means like betrayal. I was like, cool. Oh no. Because <laughs> like a dog is supposed to be like your companion and, exactly. you know, very loyal. And the dogs wouldn't let go. I've had dreams like that before. It's very interesting. And have where I'm like, I feel it and I feel it physically, but I'm very calm. And I'm just like, okay, like if I'm calm enough, they'll let go. Wow. It's weird. That's very lucid, like lucid dreaming style. Wow. Do you, have you guys done lucid yes. dreaming? Yeah. What is lucid dreaming? Like when you awaken in the dream and you, you project what you want to create, basically manifest oh. what you want to create. I don't know if I've gotten to the point where I, like, I, I have those thoughts of like, okay, if I just relax, let go. So maybe. I'd, yeah. That's very lucid. I would yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe I don't know if I'm saying, oh, let me change the reality. I don't know. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Do you dream a lot? 
Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I feel like it's so powerful. Like, yeah. It, they've even shown like from PTSD recovery to just like, you know, it's like meditating while you're sleeping. It's just amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah lucid dreaming has been key in my healing process. Mm-hmm. And it actually started probably around the time when we were going to go on the Aya journey. Mm. And it's been really helpful taking like valerian root and certain herbs before Mm. bed has given me the ability to lucid dream because I used to have like terrible dreams that I was in a haunted house, that it was haunted. There was demons all around and my dreams were so dark. Wow. And now I have the ability to like channel my higher self in my dreams and like channel light energy. Amazing. And like be an active participant in what's going on so that I can like move myself out of the situations. Exactly. Where I was a victim before. I was a victim to Mm. what was going on. I was a victim to the situation and circumstances that were having in my dream. Wow. And I would wake up feeling out of control and then, but now I'm able to go in and like actually control it, which is really beautiful. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. You're rewiring the the story. Exactly. They even say like the neurotransmitters you create just from the response to the say problem solving or healing the trauma through the dream is so powerful. Like you literally secrete more neurotransmitters through that process. Wow. Wow. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. How, How do you think people can get to a place where they are lucid dreaming? Well, there's certain techniques and I feel like herbs are huge because they aid the process to like awaken and just relax, like take away the anxiety and whatever is inhibiting your mind. Yep. And then especially like blue lotus, for example, I use it all the time to like really calm down and go in and it's a pineal gland, you know, secretion pro plant. So I feel like it's become pretty popular for that specifically. Um, But I would say there's certain symbols like they're the classic one is looking down, like when you orient your energy down to the ground and look into your hands, that's a classic way for you to be like, I'm dreaming. What do I do now? You know, and you can start like flying or jumping or breathing underwater or whatever you want to manifest, I guess. And then there's way more, you know, techniques you can go from there. Like there's, I was just talking to this uh, earlier, but when you go basically into the dream and like the second stage is if you go to sleep in your dream and you wake up in the dream of your dream. Yes. Which I think that's, and then in that second dimensional existence, you can meet like spirit energy or ancestors and have conversations and... Like more spirit dialogue, I guess. Mm. Or you meet, like, meet the interdimensional beings, they call them. Wow. So I think that's powerful. Yeah, I find in yeah. those, like if I'm, you know, meeting or seeing someone that has passed in my life, mm. it's like I'm able to, in my dream, um, express the emotions that I've always wanted to express, whether it's like grief or happiness. Like, and in my dream, I feel it so deep, deeply. Mm. You know, it's like this, like literally, like kind of you feel deep in your heart. And I wonder what that is. I'm like, am I expressing on, like in my own reality enough? You know what I mean? Where mm. in my dream, it is so like, oh my God, like, like I'm alive, life. right? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if it's like kind of making up for what I didn't express while they were here. It's just like an interesting feeling because it's it feels so good. But then I also just, I'm like, oh, why didn't I do that when they were here? You know? Your unconscious reaction, right? Yeah. It's like projecting that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like, beautiful. Well, it's mirroring in another level what you are really feeling. You know, mm. I think that's fascinating. Mm. Is that, what well, I guess I'm, I'm doing this prayer of related to astral travel. Is astral travel done in dreams? Yeah. And actually I started lucid dreaming before I started practicing astral travel techniques, but I feel like once you get used to lucid dreaming type of lucidity in your classic dreaming or daily dreaming mind, you can really start projecting to going like, or then when they say like when your soul folds, like let's say you're laying in bed or you're dreaming and you turn around and you see yourself laying down and then you basically see yourself kind of like as if you're rising up from, let's Mm. say, 
um, Shivasana, you can call it, I guess, or Shavasana, sorry. And then there you can start projecting yourself to like floating into another dimensional reality. But I think that's where the second stage of dreaming, like we were just saying, I think that's where it really, where you can really practice that part of your brain that can really engage in other worlds. Um, But yeah, it's it's intense. I feel like you have to have like an engine of energy and that's when you build up all the dreaming practice and then you have enough, like let's say fuel to go to the next step. Mm. But astral traveling, some people do it like without even trying. They're like, I did it last night, like nothing, you know? And ayahuasca, and so it's like astral traveling in a way too. Yeah, know? totally. Like directly. I guess, what does it mean? I actually don't know what astral travel means. Is it like when you're going, your spirit's going to different dimensions? Exactly. Okay. Like when you're, let's say your physical body's anchored in this third dimension, yep. and then you're flying to another reality. Is it always positive feeling or is there like some scary moments or? I feel people must feel scary moments. I haven't had a scary one per se, but I think a lot of people have had like, you know, kind of demonic worlds or, you know, uh, kind of dark or swampy or, you know, like the shadow world, I guess. But I think in the end, the symbology you pick up in those moments must be like your unconscious repressed. It could even be like inherited stuff from your ancestry. It can be bloodline stuff. It can be like collective conscious energy. So I feel like it's unlimited what you can go see. Yeah. We had a dream expert on, and that's what she said. It was a lot of the collective consciousness that was happening. Exactly. Like a lot of, it's almost like, you know, you see like a cloud over the entire world and everyone was like tapping into that energy Mm -hmm. and it was like dropping into their dreams. Yeah. Justin and I were talking about this today with dreaming, like, my dreams are always, you know, I'm I'm starting to have crazier dreams, but they're still in like the context of everything that I understand on like a three-dimensional level. Mm. And I have yet to have the ability to like, you know, like Ford, like to see the engine before the engine is built mm-hmm. or like Nikola Tesla to like to see everything before it's built. You know, some of the greatest inventors have been able to see something in their dream and then create it in real life. And it would be cool to be able to like tap into that. Yeah. Like get the download before. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. You mentioned herbs before that can kind of help you to access that lucid dreaming or even just activate the pineal gland. Mm-hmm. Do you talk more about that? You said blue lotus, but are there others? Yes, I think uh, mukuna is a classic one nowadays. Everybody has it in their kitchen pantry now. And it's like, I don't know, it's become very popular. Uh, mukuna is also an amazing pineal gland activator. So, and it's also a decalcifier for everybody that likes the whole, you know, like fluoride free reality. Yes. Um, then there's a bunch more that has been used also in ancient times, like skullcap is a classic one used before sleep mm-hmm. that also has enabled like deep pineal response. Uh, one in Latin America that I love is called Kalia Sacatechichi. It's a funny name. I like it. Chops you up before sleep. No, but basically, supposedly that one creates the gateway of understanding the archetypal representations when you're in the dream. So I think that's pretty awesome. Okay. Skullcap? Uh, this one is Kalia Sakatechichi. Kalia Sakatechichi. And it's bitter as hell, honestly. It's intense okay. too. But if you can get, like, let's say you can combine it to rose petals, mukuna, and some other Tulsi or something like that, obviously it tastes a little better. But Is mukuna honey? Um, 
Uh, no, oh. it is naturally sweet though. It's a it's a legume basically, like a bean. Cool. Yeah. Is the carne casacacachichichite? <laughs> is that in your dream stuff? Yeah, we actually okay. sprinkle it on there, and we sell it as a herb on its own as well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, a lot of people have it, and they're like, "That's the worst tea in the world." Ah, but you have to combine it with other things for sure. It's like mm. an activator. It's like a pepper to the turmeric kind of thing. Like it's like the hey, I'll go drink uh, ayahuasca. Let wow, me know. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Some shamans actually added to ayahuasca brews. Oh. Really? Interestingly enough, another popular one is Bovinsana in South and Central America. And that one is truly like, wow, that one's mind blowing. That's one of my favorite plants because when you drink it, it's like you literally feel that clarity. It's like it like opens your eyes immediately and you just understand everything. It's like what What's you can it really see Bovinsana. Bovinsana. Uh-huh, and that's also added to ayahuasca brews. But interestingly enough, uh, a lot of shamans prescribe it for the dietas. Are you guys familiar yeah, with the dietas? So Let's say you get assigned a spirit plant that matches what you're going through in your healing journey in this moment. And then Boeing Sanas for those that are really needing clarity or that say they're in a crossroads of where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And they're really confused or naturally someone wanting to expand psychic vision. And that one's like a classic for mm. the dieta pre and after uh, plant medicine intake. Whoa. Yeah. Can do you, you have that on your site? Yeah. No way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. We just brought it in because everyone's like, Bobinsana, you know, people that are into the whole wow. plant medicine situation. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I have so many questions. <laughs> so you grew up around shamans and you kind of grew up correct in, in this space. So what was that like as a kid to step into this world, being surrounded by people that understood plants and herbology and being connected to nature? Yeah, well, I first, my grandmother was the one that kind of taught me how to engage with spirit energy. She, we would do meditations as kids, basically, when I was like seven, eight years old. And she would kind of call in the spirits of the room. She was more of like a seer. And then more than me, I wasn't necessarily more of like a clairvoyant type of energy. And so I started really seeing like spirits around us and me. And I was able to see auras as a kid, which I think all kids naturally have this. It's just we're cultured to change that and rewire that idea, Mm. unfortunately. But parents that are supportive, you naturally have a very, you know, awakened child. And so I'm very grateful my grandmother really helped me see that. And my mom was very supportive. And then I guess as I grew up as a teenager, I started taking classes in herbal schools with shamans and like taking time in the Amazon and in Costa Rica, there's a lot of teachers as well. And I developed more that my thing was more plants, like listening to plants and knowing how to give plants to people that might need specific kind of healing. Wow. So Do the plants yeah. talk to you. Yes. Yes. So since then, I guess I just always maintained that bridge since a kid. Wow. Like when I was hearing things, I was like, I thought I was just like crazy. And then she was like, no, this is, you're listening to nature, you know? Wow. And we all have that capacity. Yeah. It's like, if we drink these plants and do these practices, we can really hear it. Like, let's say in your lucid dream, you manifest that you want to engage with Bovinsana and you really start talking to her. She'll be like a beautiful woman speaking to you, like a goddess, like telling her about her life and her story. And you can see it, you know, like it's amazing. Wow. So shamans like and motivate that, I guess, to do that. Yeah. For people that are just exploring this, you know, for the first time, how would you explain the healing power of plants and the connectedness to spirit? Mm. So I see healing like more as a psychosomatic experience, you know, so I think these plants just remind us where the healing energy might have to go or where it has to happen. And I think uh, they work on such a multidimensional level, like their mind, body, spirit, like almost like the body is like the last tool that it's working on. It's working mm. on such a profound energetic level 
that we're just learning to adapt to that response. So even when people say like, I didn't feel anything when I took that, like, what the hell, you know? And it's like, no, you got to learn to engage on a subtle level to these energies. Cause yeah, it's not that's like the a dang truth. Mm. Yeah. You really take, you have to allow your own process to happen and not be like, it didn't happen overnight or in a week or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. That's what I've thought about too, is like the sensitization that yeah. we need to, the resensitization we need to go through. Exactly. You know, especially as it relates, what was I, I was, it was brought to my attention as it relates to sex actually, mm. is like resensitizing your body to physical response, to touch, to all of these things, because we're so in our heads, we're so like on our phones, we're so in the digital that we are not sensitized to touch anymore, like the way that we used to be. And I think the subtle healing of plants speaks to that, you know, where it is subtle, it is something you have to really tap in to notice, but the way that we're going and how disconnected we are, it's probably like not powerful enough where that's probably why people are going to do like ayahuasca and all those type of things, because it's a little bit more in your face. Exactly. So well said. It's so true. And it's like, we live in a culture of so much stimulation. It's like, as you said, it's like over the top. So relearning is a huge aspect. I feel like that's, what's almost like trending now, like how to relearn that connection and like your own self and honoring your own process. And, you know, like, I think that's why plants are so popular now. Plants are like creating the space for us to awaken to that reality of nature and ourselves. Are they so happy? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of people say like ayahuasca itself is the one like actually creating the trend itself. It's not us as humans thinking we are controlling the yeah. situation. Mm. Like what if the plant is here to awaken consciousness for the shift that's, you know, happening on a universal level. Right. When was your first ceremony? Uh, Like it was in your, was it in your culture? Not in my culture, no, but in a culture that I, I guess, learned and was very close to me. Yeah. Uh, When I was 16, I think it was my first ceremony. Yeah. And what was it like? Yeah. Amazing. It was very sexual, actually, interestingly enough. Yeah. I feel like once you open those channels, like, I guess we confuse the sexuality for just a state of joy and pure bliss. And uh, I guess at that time I was just like, yeah, I was downloading so much information about my ancestry and about my own healing process and my abilities and my dharma, what I'm here to do, what am I supposed to do? And yeah, mind blowing. It was mind blowing. Absolutely. To receive that at 16, like- I know, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Were you you like down or were you like, whoa, I was one thing at a time. Yeah. 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 I was so into it. I was already reading a bunch of those like books, you know, it's going to be my gift to my, (laughs) my child at 16. sweet You want a party? I'll show you a party. Exactly. That's so true. Well, in those cultures, they start at like nine years old or even younger. Oh, get out of here. Are talking Peruvian? Yeah. A lot of like the Ashanicas. They're in the Peruvian Andes. And they start even earlier, sometimes seven, nine, and they do it in darkness. Holy moly. <laughs> what? I guess they can work on like ancestral trauma. I'm like wondering what, yeah. you're only nine. Yeah. Okay. I guess working, okay. I guess starting their shamanic work. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. If they have foreseen, let's say if you have a special child or, yeah, I guess they already foresee who the shaman is and where they're going to be born and what's going to happen. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. But imagine me, my nine-year-old self, I don't know. I mean. What? Yeah, I do. I'm curious, like, one, when did you come to the US for the first time? And like that experience of being so open and connected and receiving all of these downloads and understanding or getting to know your dharma at such a young age and then coming to a place where, in general, 
none of that is on anyone's radar. Like, what was that? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess um, I was definitely, I think, living in a bubble, thinking like people got it <laughs> or they were in it for some reason. I don't remember yeah. being like, oh, that person doesn't get it or anything. I think I was just kind of flowing with it and. I remember I moved to Berkeley, California, actually, and um, what was it? 19, I mean, 2018, 2018. So last year. Yeah. No, You're sorry. Cl- what am I doing? <laughs> 2008. 2008. He's like, hey. welcome. Hey, time is irrelevant, yeah. to be honest. I'm like, sorry. I'm like, how did I space it out? Uh, 2008 is when I first moved to the Bay Area. Yeah. Okay. And I went to like an From herbal Costa school Rica. there. From Costa Rica. Wow. Yeah. So I had such a good experience. I met like a whole community of herbalists and oh. I started getting into like North American herbology, which was so great to learn. I love it because I was more rainforest herbalism type of thing. And I had already studied a lot of herbs, like from Europe and different parts, African. And so, so it was great to get to know that community and be in such an open-minded space. So I guess I never really felt that whole, that whole difference. I was in a bubble, I guess. Wow. You're highly protecting. tribe, honey. (laughs) Yeah, I found the tribe. (laughs) So herbology is the study of plants. Exactly. As a whole. As a the whole. plant kingdom. Exactly. And okay. the energetic medicinal functionality, I guess. And how do you go about studying it? Like what do you find texts or, or what's the process? Yeah, well, there's a lot of books now that are amazing. So I feel like it all depends but where you want to go with it. If you want more 101 to like super deep ecology type of deep spiritual realities of plants. And there's amazing living teachers to this day. Like a lot of them are in the East Coast, actually, like Rosemary Gladstar. She's like incredible. Um, David Winston, he also has a school in uh, New Hampshire, I think it is right now. Paul Stamets. Yeah. Uh, Also, he's in Washington. Amazing. Another, a lot of teachers in Northern California, they just abound, you know, like Pam Montgomery. She's all like Chinese medicine grown in California, Cool. which I think is awesome. And yeah, I guess sky's the limit. There's quite a lot of people out there. Mm -hmm. Wow. So uh, this is something I wanted to go back to when we were talking about the pineal gland. What is your uh, knowledge of the pineal gland and its importance and what it does for for us? Yeah, so this amazing organ that's like almost in the smack center of our brain connected to the hypothalamus, which is like the control center of our hormonal functioning and beyond. Um, They basically work together and the pineal gland controls so many processes and it's the size of a pea. And it's like, it controls our waking, like wake and sleep cycle, our mood, our sensual self, our ability to orgasm, our ability to get hungry or thirsty or, you know, like bio- basic biological function. And it's amazing. It's like the tiniest organ and it's controlling our life and our consciousness, a lot of people say. So like your perception of reality supposedly lies within the pineal hypothalamus connection. Whoa. Which is pretty fascinating. So that's why I think adaptogens are so popular because they control those centers specifically, which they're called more like the stress response centers, but there's so much more beyond that. They're like, Mm. these are plant intelligence coming in and working on a multidimensional level for for us as humans, you know? Wow. So how do they work to decalcify? Yeah, it's a great question. Some of them more than others. Like for example, Moringa is one of my favorites. It's not an adaptogen declared officially, but a lot of people think it's a secondary adaptogen, like basically waiting scientific studies, but it has adaptogenic-like nature and it decalcifies the pineal gland pretty awesomely. Rhodiola is another one that's fantastic for decalcification. And actually, um, Stephen Harrod, an amazing herbalist, he has a book called Plant Intelligence. Mm. And he has these studies where even the assimilation of plant medicine, like after your ayahuasca or whatever you're doing, a rhodiola is one of those that helps the integration on a cellular level of what you experienced. 
I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So that's huge. Huge. So I think like these ayahuasca centers should probably be serving rhodiola tea right after the yeah. the integration for the integration period, I guess. Wow. Yeah, because they help on a cellular level to like channel it in, you know. Wow. And yeah. So for and for adaptogens are what's like the deal with adaptogens? Like from what I understand, they are ingested and they work with our body to adapt to whatever it is that we need. Or, or what exactly are they? Exactly. So they are these hyper intelligent master plans from different parts of the world. And they help your body on a, on the stress response level to like basically cope with the stressors of life. So for example, on a biological level, atmospherical, like if you're exposed to heavy metals, for example, it can help you cope with the stress of that response, um, emotional stressors and beyond, and even spiritual stressors. So they help with that response and create an adaptation to it. So it protects on a cellular level. That's why they're like master anti-aging herbs because they're helping you adapt to what your li- your situation is, in yeah. other words. So- for example, that's why ashwagandha has felt totally different to you than to me because I might be totally exhausted and I need to get energized versus somebody that's like totally energized needs to be calmed down. So that plant will create that perfect biological match to give you what you need, which is fascinating. It's amazing. Even scientists are like, what the hell is going on here? Like Whoa. they haven't nailed it yet. Whoa. And are these herbs, you know, obviously through your company, but like, just in terms of like accessibility and sourcing and, you know, what people need to look out for, because I'm sure that there are other brands that might be sourcing in a way that might not be the best for our bodies and also for the planet. So can we just kind of dig in there? So there's some adaptogens that are more easily to be found. Like for example, Tulsi, you can even grow it here in in a pot if you wanted to in LA, you know? Um, so it's a lot more abundant. But for example, rhodiola is a lot harder to grow or like ginseng takes at least five years to harvest the first root. And there has been a lot of terrible farming around that plant or those plants. So definitely it's very good to, you know, that you work with the transparency of a company and really ask a lot of questions and get annoying about it. Just like really on a, you know, microbiological level, a toxicology reports or whatever that they're grown in really, I mean, special places, hopefully with good water and mm. no heavy metals, et cetera. And so, and I also really love to promote the idea of like more abundant adaptogens because it's so trendy now. So for example, another one that's like gynostema, it's so easily grown. It's like a weed and it's such a fantastic plant on so many levels. Like it's like a beauty plant. So it helps like produce collagen naturally. It's also like kind of like a beauty herb, but with a million more benefits like immunity and antiviral, antimicrobial and et cetera, you know? So sign me up. Yeah, I know. Can I inject it? Um, (laughs) So for, and and just expanding upon that point. So if there was something that was to grow in a, in a space that was less energetically sound, and then there was plants that were to grow in a place that is more energetically sound, would they be affected or do they have the ability to adapt to whatever their environment is to give the benefit? That's such a good question. I feel like they do. I mean, there's no like study to promote the, the, to like, fortify that, but I think, uh, they definitely do, you know, they can definitely respond to the environment and create the chemistry to adapt. Like for example, mushrooms, mushrooms are phyto remediators, which it means basically that they can metabolize tox, like toxic, whatever they're exposed to into not making it toxic for the consumer. So for wow. example, they threw Paul Stamets did this actually, when there was an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, they threw like shiitake mushrooms and some other, I guess, mushrooms into it to absorb the oil out of the water. Really? And it actually did it. And after it all, those mushrooms were not even toxic. You could have eaten the mushroom. So what? 
I don't understand either. It's like they metabolize the toxicity, which is fascinating. So what would that mean in our body? Yeah. You know, like if they are like scavenger herbs that like grab, like, let's say cancerous stuff or whatever disease you might have. And then it like takes it out of you. It's pretty incredible. Wow. It's so, so funny how like our society is like looking to invent the next, whether it's medication or a way to clean up the ocean and whatever. And like, we're not looking at the things that have been around for millions of years or already exist, you know, exactly. such as plants. I don't know what that is, but yeah. interesting. I mean, it's a lot of things. Yeah, it's like it's why big aren't pharma, they using it's mushrooms to, yeah. to clean like terrible it's areas that fascinating. are fascinating. Yeah. Or like even when uh, land is being converted to organic, why are they not injecting it with like mushrooms or fungi to restore the plant to, the, I mean, the soil to be organic again? Yeah. Like, uh, that can be like a method, you know, but. Or like Flint, Michigan. The water problem. Oh, yeah. You know, like it helps with the detoxification of the issues that they're dealing with as far as the water Mm -hmm. goes. Um, With mushrooms, is it true that mushrooms, you have to have them cooked to receive the benefits when you're ingesting them? Exactly. You have to do the cell wall breakout, basically. So when you you have to extract it before, if not, we can't digest it. So it would just move through you if it's not boiled or steam extracted or... Mm. You can also extract it in alcohol as another method. Wow. Yeah, or vinegar. A lot of people do vinegar, like long vinegar extractions, which is cool because if you're, let's say you have vinegar for salad dressing in your kitchen, you just put in your reishi in there and it'll extract into your vinegar and then you're using medicinal vinegar in your salad dressing. So cool. Pretty fun. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, right? And it's tasty. It tastes good. Like you could even like drink the vinegar. if. if In, In what cases too, like, you know, to be able to you know, place the use of these plants into our daily lives. Like, you know, I'm not saying we should be replacing any medication with plants, but I just, I'm curious about like the um, really impactful ways that it can enhance and possibly maybe move you towards a less medicated situation. If people are dealing with say anything really just using medication. Well, interestingly enough, there is uh, scientific reports that say that reishi has actually helps you metabolize antibiotics, pharmaceutical antibiotics. So if you take your antibiotics with reishi, you're protecting your body and enhancing the effect of the antibiotic itself. So for example, just that pairing. Wow. Straight up. It's amazing. Same with cordyceps and ashwagandha specifically to radiation therapy after like cancerous radiation. It's known to be a recovery for after and to deal with it. So you're not overburning yourself with radiation. So they call them chemo protectives basically for those two particular ones. Yeah. Do you, um, what are some of your favorite um, herbs or plants for hormone balancing? A lot of the women of our community are working on balancing their hormones or getting back in touch with their bodies after being on birth control for a long time or transitioning off. What would you suggest? Oh yeah, that's that's so true. We get this question so much and it really depends on your hormonal situation. So if you're overproducing estrogen versus progesterone or testosterone or whatever, it really depends on that. But like as a general rule of thumb, like the, or a safe way to take it is like some adaptogens, for example, like astralagus is fantastic for that. Eleuthero is another fantastic one. That's like very easy on most people. But again, it's very important that, you know, like you consult with someone that can go deeper with your hormonal stuff. Like Shatavari is a classic one for women used in India or in Ayurveda since like thousands of years and it's like wild asparagus and it's also used for hormonal balancing for example wow. yeah but for example maca you know maca is like everywhere for a long time already like it can overproduce testosterone 
So if you have that already, then it might not be wise to take maca. Maca um, makes me um, um, really emotional. Oh, really? Yeah, it makes me like kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't mm. like this. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I know. Wow. We talk yeah. a lot about um, our gut and how it affects, you know, mental health and beyond everything, really. So are there certain herbs that we can take to just make sure that our microbiome is yeah. prime? Yeah, microbiome is a huge one. For my favorite and microbiome is bitter herbs. So I think that's number one. So like digestive bitters, for example, like uh, burdock, dandelion root, Oregon grape root, um, even like Tulsi is very good one for like soothing and calming. Uh, same with lemon balm for like over inflamed digestive yeah. systems is a really nice and easy one. Nettle is another mineralizing, powerful like weed that we can find anywhere as well, you know, like just add it to anything. Um, so yeah, bitter plants. Like in the rainforest, a lot that's used is quassia, which is a super bitter tree that is like actually used quite a lot. Even in pharmaceutical industry, they derive a lot of the chemistry out of it. But uh, it's also used for like reconstructing gut flora and so wow. for bile production, metabolism, regulation and so. Cool. And is is there a yeah. place like where these herbs, like f- from deep in the rainforest that no one's ever heard of are being tested for the benefits because I trust when the plant speaks to you and, or whoever is communicating with the plant. But I'm just thinking about like, how, how can this become more mainstream and be told to cancer patients? Hey, you know what I mean? Like are studies being done and where do you see that going? Yeah, there are quite a lot of studies already, like especially with the bitters, that's kind of like more the infamous plants on scientific study level. But I think uh, there's definitely a lot more that can be done. But it's it's kind of a tricky thing because it's like how much of it is like pharmaceutically funded. And that's like a whole agenda in itself. You know, <laughs> you know how it mm-hmm. is. It's like a whole talk in itself. Mm-hmm. And then there's studies that are just not done since like 1978. And then nobody continued it, you know, kind of like adaptions. They were all studied back in the 50s and 60s. And there's never been like a like a renewal of these studies, like on a big level like that time. Which is sad because we're like, you know, we could like totally use the research, but nobody's funding it, I guess. Or pharmaceutical companies might not want to fund it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. I know, unfortunately, because it's expensive. So you can't just be like a artisan maker and go and spend, you know, like hundreds of thousands of dollars on, you know, human trials and et cetera. Right. Yeah. Wow. How can we like talk to plants? (laughs) What would that be like? Um, like how could we start a conversation with plants? That's a great question. I think, um, my favorite way to do it is like, if you sit, let's say you're in the forest or on a hike in some sort of lush area near you and you sit in meditation, basically in front of the tree, plant, flower, or whatever you might have. It doesn't even have to be something, you know what it is. It doesn't matter. And you basically start like, you know, settling in, get quiet, breathe, take away all your like casual mind, like, what did you eat? What are you going to do? Work, etc. And then you basically start asking the tree for permission or plant for permission to, you know, get to know them. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you really start listening, like just start listening. And as soon as you feel like another thought come in, just like be like, understand that's just a thought. Don't even get mad at it or whatever. Just like scoot it away, scoot it away. And you literally can use your hand gestures to like move it off your face. I feel like that really helps for me. Mm-hmm. Like you better really swipe energy, like... Or like in shamanism, they do like they soplar, like soplar the the thing away. So you can do breath work and soplelo, 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 so you know. Sh- exactly. Cool. Yeah. 
and use your hand gestures or even stand up and rub your body. That's a good one. You energize your, you know, your physical body to activate your spirit body and you start activating your vehicle and also visualizing it, like really visualize, like you have two pyramids surrounding your energetic body and you start like twirling around you clockwise. And I feel like that really helps settle in. And then you start listening, just really get quiet and do whatever you need to do to get quiet. And you'll start listening a dialogue or it might come in totally visionary. Maybe you're a visionary person or more of a clear audient person and things will start coming in and don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Don't rationalize it. Just let it come in. And you might just hear the story of that tree or the land where you're standing on, which I think is incredible. And it will come in. We all have this power. It's like, so it doesn't require like a specially psychic person to access this. You know, you like, you can, we all have it. We're engineered with the same pineal hypothalamus glands and you can access it yourself. What's something crazy a plant told you? Hmm. The best part has been when I was, um, engaging with a plant that was actually going to be medicinal for a friend that was suffering in a, in like a chronic illness type of situation. And I was actually having a very profound dream and I was like harvesting this plant in the dream. And I remember like smelling it so rich. And like, I remember even hearing music. That's not even like third dimensional music. It was just like, it's almost like I cannot even replicate it. Even if I had like an instrument, it was just like music and color. And it was so vivid, like avatar type of scene, you know, like everything was just like alive. Mm. And the plant was telling me that I needed to give it to my friend for her, for her treatment. And I just trusted and I told her, trust me, this was so vivid and it was so real. There is no doubt in my mind. This is for you, you know? And so I made her like an extract out of it. I made her a flower essence and like every single derivative possible of that plant. And I gave it to her and it was amazing. Really? Yeah. So, wow. So if you get those messages, like follow them, you know, like refining those pins that come in and we're like, okay, that's it. I'm going to trust that. Yeah. 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 Holy moly. The Uh, flower essences, I have some. What, What is a flower essence and how do people use those? So it's super easy to make. Um, supposedly you have to have a crystal bowl of sorts. It can be like any, not like the crystal sound bowls, like normal, like let's say a Pyrex bowl uh, with no print on it. Like it doesn't have to have lettering or Got patterning it. or whatever. And you have to have very special water, like ideally from a spring. And you have to pick the flowers, hopefully without touching it with your fingers. Like you have to let the flower be picked with permission. And like, let's say with a leaf or something, twigs or... And you put it into the bowl and you have to let it absorb into sunlight or moonlight, depending on the plant, for a certain period of time. And then you harvest that water by filtering out the petals and then you're basically harmonizing it or extracting it on its in its own like water element. But it's, it's important that the water is organized, meaning that's like that's not been disharmonized through tubing and long distance uh, and unfiltered and you know, so you can harmonize it with like crystals, right? You can harmonize it, yeah. Or like Sound? Or 32 hertz or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or a lot of people use blue light. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really works. Blue light's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think so. I too. see like oh. in those like water filters that are kind of everywhere, you could see kind of the blue light. I always wondered what that was. Yeah. Wow. Supposedly blue light organizes water. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, there's a lot of these like Lemurian channelings. Have you guys seen that? It's like, even this guy, Royal Raymond Rife, he's like, was an incredible like guy that created this machine of like energy. And he used to call it the Blu-ray. And it was this blue machine that he got into it, like kind of like a cylinder in a way. And it went through you. 
And there's cool. so many studies of his machines. Like you guys can look it up, Royal Raymond Rife. And he was even commissioned by the Queen of England. And like they were even funding his entire things. He actually got it in a dream and made it a reality. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, so people were curing from chronic diseases and very deep illnesses with this blue light that was emanated from these machines. And like with vibration and a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, the videos Where are fascinating. Where are the machines now? Very good question. Mm-hmm. They got taken and who knows where they went. By of the course. queen, baby. Yeah. And he got mysteriously assassinated. There you go. Say yeah. no more, fam. Oh my God. Yeah. And this was like in the 30s. I might be mistaking 20s, 30s, something there like that. Go. Was it a box? Like people went into like a box or something? I don't know. I think it was what? like an oval, like a oval, like, like, egg. Uh, like a cylinder, like ovalized wow. cylinder looking thing, like an egg. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I saw something on Gaia where they were doing something like that, where there was like some form of healing that was like, in that sense that was like mm. taken away or decommissioned or shut down. And then that person, I don't know if they were assassinated, but I've seen something like that. I should find out what that is. Yeah. It's unfortunately common. Uh-huh. Like Dr. Sebi. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's very fucked up. Yeah. What do you, how do you reckon with that? Like the dark Oh, I have so much anger towards those things. Like, Jesus, it's like, how can like, you know, like these technologies, like why are they inhibiting, you know, these incredible technologies from like all these diseases? So I, I know this is a very sensitive subject to a lot of people, but I do believe that these diseases are being put out there for specific reasons and creating a big pharmaceutical corporation out of it to keep us sick and keep it funded. And they're making billions of dollars or trillions, sorry, on these terrible uh, Diseases that supposedly are not healable, like for example, HIV, the remedy has been created and Mm -hmm. by many people and every single time that person was killed. Yeah. I know. Wasn't uh, Nipsey Hussle was doing a documentary on Dr. Sebi? Oh, really? And he was murdered recently as well. Yeah. And I think there was someone else that was going to do a documentary on Dr. Sebi and they were, something happened to them too, so. Disappeared. Yeah. Oh, seriously, I get shivers yeah. every time. Yeah. yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, But I feel like we're, I mean, to stay faithful and hopeful, I do think we're in that time where that's not going to be possible anymore. Mm. It's going to be, we're in the shift and it's happening and consciousness is rising. And on a collective level, we're getting to that point. I mean, just the fact that plant medicine and all these like biohacking type of ideas are out there, that's good. It's it. Yeah. We're becoming. The needle's moving. Yeah. yeah. So who knows how the system's going to collapse with it? But I think that's like our time to see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. I wanted to ask about go back to mushrooms for a moment, just because I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's an LA thing, but probably not. Just like psychedelic mushrooms, and I, I I'm curious about because I don't know a ton about what's happening, but I just, you know, knowing that like the DNA is, is very similar to humans more so than to plants Mm -hmm. and what that connection is between, um, you know, what's happening in a psychedelic trip. I've just known people and I've experienced myself just like really profound, like bordering on like that ayahuasca, um, experience, Mm -hmm profound joy and clarity and just seeing the beauty that is. And so I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are. Yeah. It's interesting with ayahuasca where it's so chemically related. It's like so bizarre. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like we're related, truly like we are family. 
and I'm sure there's so many more plans. I honestly haven't seen one that is as that as related as that one, but um, I have heard that yeah, we we might have come from plants <laughs> or the that. microbiological conditioning that created for our existence to be here. But mm. of course, it's almost I guess well, not impossible to prove. It is possible to prove through our mystical connections. I think we can see that. Mm. Yeah, I've had very profound experiences going feel like I went to like the source and origin of my existence and as a human existence. And it's just so woven, like we are nature, you know, like we, we birthed each other. I feel like it's like a coexistent reality that just happened together. You went there through ayahuasca or through mushrooms? Yeah, through ayahuasca. ayahuasca. Okay. Yeah. Do you, would you, for people that are interested in mushrooms or ayahuasca, what would you suggest to them? How could they honor the plant? How do they know if they're ready? What would you say their process should be? Mm. I think uh, for me specifically, I think mushrooms are more masculine. I feel like they're like visiting grandfather and ayahuasca is like visiting your grandmother. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I feel like on, a, on an archetypal level, it's kind of like what kind of healing would you desire in this moment? I feel like I'm more like ayahuasca myself. I feel I really resonate with how it teaches Mm. A lot more. And maybe the rituals around it are very special to me too. Like the music and the, yes. you know, the sacred music that has accompanied this brood for God knows how long is just so magical. It's like geometrically perfect music that awakens you, you know, yes. even you if you're not to that, like how it activates the plant. Yeah. So is it synesthesia, the word that, you know, when you can see people that can see music, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people when they're on ayahuasca, interestingly enough, and they hear these geometrically perfect vibrations, Native Americans did this too with like the drumming, the consistent drumming that activates like theta brainwaves and so Um, it's kind of like the same concept. So when you go into that experience, you naturally like activate and you start downloading because it's like sacred music. Like, for example, they have songs to relieve like menstrual cramps or digestive pain or cancer, like specific geometrical songs that are conditioned to relieving you from pain. And I think it's, yeah, it's fascinating that it can activate that. So I feel like that was the most profound part of yeah. the ceremony. Like the music, I have a connection to music, but like to be in that setting and and having the medicine in your body it was like i will never do it justice to explain it but it yeah. was one of the most profound experiences did you get to like see the music at all or like when i went outside mm -hmm. amazing so like when i was like seeing tree like with the trees as exactly. well like in, inside it was a little bit more difficult because there was like 70 people so i yeah. i more saw i could see the music dropping into people Mm. You know, because you you could feel it like the the wave of the music and how it almost like would kind of pick some people up and like stir things up so that it could move through them and heal. But I didn't see it until I went outside. Amazing. Well, that's that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, like you can see it in colors and sound, and it's really powerful. And we can do that. I feel like even without. I know microdosing is now like the the end thing to be doing, and I feel like that can help. Like attuned to creating that as your reality on a you know on a daily basis that you didn't have to be like on a on a whole journey about it. But I think and also plants, other plant medicines that like rhodiola, maybe it reattunes that ability to modify your brain to existing or seeing those realities. You know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess I want to talk about the plants and herbology as it relates to like honoring indigenous people. What is your like advice for people that want to start getting into plants and herbology? And what is the importance of the indigenous people and the people that kind of the keepers of this? 
Yeah, I feel like now that's really important because a lot of people just unmindfully does the, do these things because it's just trendy and you know everywhere you go in the world now there's like ayahuasca circles or whatever you know and or traditional things being used like a palo santo sage whatever whatever token of like you know spirit tools and i think uh mindfulness is key you know like i'm a big advocate for people to being able to have access to these things because we live in a world of like you know like everything is so desensitized and if like this is a allowing the sensitivity of a consciousness to really use it as a tool for awakening. Like I'm all about that. But yes, of course, mass consumerism of like wellness and spirit tools and that kind of stuff. Obviously it's not good, you know, like creating like native American tools in a trendy way and being sold at, you know, by Gucci or Walmart or whatever it is, you know, like it's not cool. You know, I think that's really like stealing that's theft from a culture. It's not good energy. And it's, you know, it's not the way it's supposed to be done. And then on that point with Palo Santo and Sage, you know, I've heard that it's good to use those tools. And then I've heard that they're endangered and that it's something we need to be more mindful of. It's not something I engage in on a daily basis. So it's not something I'm attached to either way, but what, what's your thought on that? Like what would you, we should be looking out for and what should we be mindful of? Yeah, I was just talking about this with Sahara Rose. That's funny because that became like these viral posts on like Palo Santo being endangered and so, and it is endangered if it's improperly cultivated. So for example, Palo Santo, there's these huge areas designated to the preservation of Palo Santo between like Peru, Ecuador, Chile, Paraguay, like Colombia, everywhere. And, uh, what indigenous people do is that they harvest the fallen dead tree after it died and after it laid on the ground for about three plus years, even four years, five years, because the resins, resins really collect and get like, you know, matured. Mm. And then they chop up that dead tree and then that's your Palo Santo stick. The tree falls naturally. Falls naturally. But the other issue is there is induced death of those trees, like with parasitic stuff, Cause it's like gold, you know, these indigenous people want to like make money cause they're very poor and it's really sad. You know, it's like a very sad reality. And so of course they're going to do that to be able to feed their families. And I understand. So you don't want to encourage that on any level. Of course you want them to be doing it sustainably, but the mass consumerism of it has led to that reality, unfortunately. So they kill these trees naturally. I mean, naturally with parasites and they don't allow the tree to die on its own. But interestingly enough, if the tree does not die on its own, it does not smell you cannot, like it does not smell, it doesn't release the resin. So it's like, it smells like a bark, like eucalyptus or I mean, wow. any bark, any, any tree that you might find, you know? So you can really tell, like, for example, when you blight a Palo Santo, that's of good quality and non-good quality, you can immediately can tell. tell. Yeah. Wow. And that's basically- I never knew what harvest. that was. That's wow. interesting. Yeah. So usually the lo- super white ones are not, tend to be the ones that were perhaps of that nature of like uh, unethically harvested or just like basically death-induced trees. So we should stray away from it altogether. And you know, it's interesting too, like it just, it's hard because it's like they've adjusted, like the people that have adjusted to create jobs and um, uh, they're, what they're, I guess, making money from around this. So, you know, of course I'm, I'm, I'm accepting the reality, but like, then what are they going to do? Exactly. It Mm -hmm. supports indigenous communities on a massive level, you know? So I think it's just, we have to be sure that the company you're sourcing from is sustainably, like we work specifically, for example, with a company in Northern Peru in the Chiclayo region, where there is this whole sanctuary just devoted to Palo Santo preservation. 
And this family has done like re- like replanting of these trees. Yeah, and then sage. What are your thoughts? And then sage, the same. California has had, I remember when I was living here, when I moved here back in 2008, not 2018. <laughs> um, and I saw sage in like a huge mountainside. There was like a huge abundance. And now I haven't seen it. I haven't picked it since then. And I haven't seen it that abundant, unfortunately. In those, just these last 10 years, there's been such a huge difference, for example. And I think with sage, it's so easy to grow. So if you're going to use it, just grow it yourself. Or have you have a friend that grows it, then use it like that. But don't wildcraft it from Californian mountains, for example, because it's basically gone, you know, so you have to let it reseed itself and and or use other smudging tools like I think cedar, juniper, sweetgrass. All those are great alternatives for cleansing. And smudging. Is that a word that we should be using? I know. I just actually was recently reading that. Um, I know it's a word that has been used, you know, in its own uh, ceremonial and protected way. So I guess if it really offends a culture to be using that word, then it should not be used. Mm. What culture would that be? Supposedly Native American cultures have been using. Yeah. So for example, same with like other words within Native American, let's say shamanism, uh, which is also a word that supposedly is not supposed to be used. You know, shamanismo is not even a word that's used by them. It's more of a newer modern word about a practice that's ancient, you know, but um, anyway, so I think, yeah, if it's words that don't belong in your culture, then maybe get use other wording to not offend others of, that are originally from that culture. Okay. Yes. Cause so smudging is technically a native American term that people are using inappropriately to describe what they're doing, but shouldn't because it's native American. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Same with like soul retrieval. I believe I've heard that it's not supposed to be using. Have you guys heard no, of that? I haven't heard. It's like a practice where through the beat of the drum, like, like we were saying, it's like a rhythmic mathematical beat to get you into trance or a deep meditation. And then you go into these images of your soul where you have like, let's say, left pieces of your soul in different parts of your life or even your ancestry. And you're doing the work to go pick up those pieces back to become whole again. So that's like a soul retrieval type of practice. And supposedly, I, I mean, I've heard from two different native peoples that that too needs to be used in a very sacred manner, not just like, I'm going to my soul retrieval session. Like if it was like, no big deal. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's another one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Learning every day. Truly. Learning Truly. every day. Thankful for it. Um, this has been the best. Yeah. And I'm, I'm learning so much too. Um, I'd love for you to speak about just how people can find you um, and Anima Mundi and and just all of the resources because I, I think people are going to have so many questions and want to um, start incorporating herbs into their life. Absolutely. So we we have our website, animamundiherbals.com and we have a lot of our herbs that we bring in from South America sometimes like limited edition or staple products for like everyday radiance and wellness on a mind-body level. And yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there. We also work with a lot of stockists in the US and in Europe and people that carry their own like desired uh, amount of items. And so you can find it in, in many places now in California, there's quite a few places and um, thankfully. So yeah, a lot of these herbs are like either from South America or we also bring in some from India. We also do a lot of like locally sourced stuff. Like all of our mushrooms are from Washington state, for example, grown on a small farm and an amazing, amazing environmental conditioning. And so, yeah, or you can find us on our social media and we also answer a ton of questions and always want to make it like educational. So I'm always out for 
every post kind of creating some sort of education, whether it's recipes or these interesting things about Palo Santo and like, what's the real story on it. So we could try to keep it alive on an educational level. Yeah. I think it's important. And Elsbo's 30 discount code. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Um, and just quickly on the Palo Santo Sage thing. Um, I kind of want to, okay. I just want to say, so just do we approach people with grace then about that? Because I feel like, there's a shift now to when we learn these things that we expect everyone to know them very quickly and to, to accept them very quickly when they've just started learned about the benefits of it. And then we turn around and we're like, no, actually this isn't what hap- what's happening. So I just want to encourage grace in people's process, like to allow them to digest and assimilate the information as it comes and like allow it to be a part of their evolution and not necessarily our job to like force our evolution if we're further along in the understanding of things on them. And I think that's what people are starting to do in this space. And so I would just do an air of warning in that or kindness and grace, not warning, but kindness and grace for people. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. There's like an intentionality too. Yeah. Like, because say someone is interested, like the intention is to you know, raise the vibration of a space, cleanse a space. It's not, you know, I don't think the intention is to, you know, disrespect X, Y, Z. I just, I think if the intentionality is there, there is, there is that grace there, but I completely agree. There's, I don't know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of conversation where that is lacking the um, compassion and love that these, these tools are like meant to bring. Yeah. So it's like an interesting... Yeah, we're all doing our best. You know, essentially, whoever's buying that Palo Santo wants to create a difference in their life. It's yeah. not like they're intending to do evil on some level, you know? Like, yes. you're not meant to disrespect. So I completely understand. And I know social media can be a place where people are just like brutally getting into fights, you know? And you're just like, wow, like, mm-hmm. take it mm-hmm. easy, you know? Like, it's okay. Truly. In any case, it's more of the provider's responsibility to source sustainably and provide the market properly and not just like expect the consumer to know everything. And like, you know, it's just, everything it's should just be sustainable period, you know, like, mm-hmm. so yeah, compassion is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could not agree more. And we're just learning this information, you know, it's like, exactly. Hi, this, there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. We're kind of just, just getting, getting to it. And now I know, cool. Mm-hmm. Now we move on and uh, work from that paradigm. So, but yeah, this was incredible. We we love awesome. working with you. We're so yeah. grateful to work with you. So I grateful. love my dream kit, my sleep kit. Awesome. It's been incredible. Thank you know, you. I have so many of the things, uh, the little tinctures on my um, bed stand. I love the fat belly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's amazing yeah, it's too. So good. Um, yeah. There's so many of the, the products that we mentioned here that we can link um, in the show notes. Cause I think those would be great, great for you guys to, to dig into, but thank you so much for coming. Right. Thank Truly. you. Such a pleasure. This is a blast. Bess. I'm so thankful to Bess yeah. on our mm-hmm. team for connecting us. Yeah. She's, she's an angel. So appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. Thank yeah. you. So we'll good. see you next time guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So I highly encourage you guys after that episode to connect with Amina Mundi. I use a lot of their herbals for sleep, for um, energy, for anxiety, for stress. And I really love them. It feels really, really good and integrated. And whenever I use anything from Amina Mundi, I can just tell that my cells are super happy. Um, And also make sure to share this episode with your friends. We'd love to connect with them and make sure that they know about all of these amazing things that we talked about today. And we would love to share review of the week. Review of the week. This comes from Shay Lev and she writes obsessed five stars. Thank you, Krista and Lindsay for all that you do for this community. Your content can 
continues to inspire me to keep growing, learning, and evolving. All your sponsors are amazing and truly products I'm excited to try and incorporate into my life. Thanks, Shay. That is so Shay. That's beautiful. Thank you. We appreciate it. You know, when you guys do that, it just means the world to Lindsay and I. We, you know live live for for y'all and your feedback so thank you so very much uh make sure to sign up for the retreat if you are interested it is in malibu in may almost 30 podcast.com slash retreat we have probably five more tickets left for that so um make sure to get your little booty over there with us and we want to connect with you and then your podcast pro for all you podcasters We love you. Thank you for listening. You mean the world. Excited for this year. Excited to have you be more a part of what we are doing more and more. We do this for you. So stay tuned in the Secret Almost 30 Facebook group as well as Instagram. See you soon. Bye-bye.